Today we're going to be talking about eagle eye. If you would stand with us, we're going to read the word of God. Isaiah 40, verse number 28 says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those whose hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will store like wings like eagles, and they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father God, that it's powerful, that it touches and changes and equips us in every way. In Jesus' name. As we've been talking, we started off with a series this year called Free, and God set us free in a lot of ways. We started a series, you know, at the beginning of the year called Free, and we learned how to be set free from all the things that were holding us back from being everything God called us to be. And then we realized and learned that as we were set free, we need to, we need to begin to resurrect those things in our life that we made because of the bondages we were walking through. They didn't have, didn't have, we weren't living them out to the fullest of our ability. So we had the graveyard series where we learned about resurrecting those things in our life that, that God has put in there that we can use for the advance of his kingdom. And now that we know what our assignment is that we learned through the, the graveyard series, we're in a place now where we're going to begin to learn how to soar and begin to do, the, do the, with those things that God's given us, do great things for his kingdom. And so um, today we're going to be talking about eagle eye. And eagle eye is a term that comes from the uh, amazing ability that there is in an eagle to see. And we know that the Bible relates to, compares people to eagles at several different times. And so as <clears throat> eagles have great eyesight, um, they can spot a moving rabbit almost a mile away. An eagle flying at a thousand feet of altitude can spot prey across almost three square miles. And so we need to realize that God has given us um, great sight as believers. So when we're born again, God has given us the ability to see things that we, that we, we wouldn't otherwise be able to see because of his spirit. But what we've got to realize is that vision doesn't, doesn't always mean eyesight. Vision doesn't always mean that, that, you're able, that you're able to see 20-20. A lot of us have 20-20 vision physically, but we've got spiritual blindness. And so we've got to get to that place where we begin to see the way God wants us to see. We're going to begin to see and realize that, our, that what we see on the physical is just a very, very small picture of what there, there really is. We all know that we are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. And so the, the real world is not, is not the world that we can see. The real world is the world that created this one, which is the spirit realm. And so what we've got to, we've got to pay attention to is if we're just looking strictly at the physical, we're just getting a, a very, very small picture of what God really wants us to see. God wants us to see things the way he sees things, and God is a spirit, and so we know that the Bible says we must worship in spirit and truth, but that also means we've got to see in the spirit. It means we've got to see the things on the other side. We've got to see the things that are real, which is the spirit world, which created this one. So we've got to get to that, we've got to get to that place where we're looking at our vision just, just as something that we can see physically. Now, <clears throat> there's an example of this in 1 Kings chapter number 6, and um, I'll give you a little background here. Um, Elisha was, was the prophet that came after Elijah. He, he was um, doing, doing great things for God. And what he was doing was he was helping the Israelite army by telling the Israelite army the plans of the other armies because God revealed, real, revealed them to his spirit. So when, when God revealed these things to him, he would relay them to the leaders of the army and the army would always, the Israelite army was always to have victory. So the other king was, was just, he was livid. He's like, what in the world is happening? Why can we not defeat the Israelites? And they said, well, there's a guy over there. He's a seer, a prophet, whatever you want to call him. But his God tells him, what you think, even when, you're, even when you're laying in bed at night. And so this king's like, hmm, well, I got an idea then. We're going to go over here, and we're either going to go here and kill him, or if we capture him, we can make him use that power for us. And so at, at, at that time, and this is in 2 Kings, we come to the, the, the instance where the, the army had surrounded the whole city where Elisha was at, and they were ready to take him captive, ready to kill him, whatever, whatever had to take place. And so here's where it picks up in 2 Kings chapter chapter 6, verse number 15. It says, When the servant of the man of God arose, early in the morning he went out, and behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And so we know that if, if all of a sudden the, 
the cops came and surrounded this building or, or the military or whatever came and surrounded this building, we'd be like, hmm. I'd be like, what'd y'all do? I didn't do nothing. It wasn't, it wasn't me. You know, so we'd all, all start pointing the finger, but the same, same thing here. He looks up and he goes, okay, now, now we're just a, a fine mess we're in here. What, what are we doing now? And so knowing that um, they knew who Elisha was, he knew that, the, that that's why they were there. And so um, the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And so, you know, immediately I'm sure the servant's going, okay, I'm seeing me and you and the dog and the cat. Uh, I'm not seeing a whole lot of other people around who, who's, who is with us. And so immediately we know that Elisha was looking not at the physical, Elisha was looking at the spiritual. Elisha had, a, had, a, had tuned his, his soul to see the, see the, see the spiritual realm and see what, see what God had on, sitting on their side waiting to protect them. And so as we read out here, then Elisha said, O Lord, please open his eyes that, they, that he may see. The Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And so immediately, you know, it, it goes on to where the, 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 army, the army of God struck the other army, and they became blind, and they, they went off, and bad things happened to them, and they were, they were chased down, and they weren't killed, but um, God took care of Elisha in that sense. And so the same thing in our life, we've got to realize that when we're going through situations, we've got to look at these situations, not always from a physical perspective, we've got to look at these situations from, from, the, from the eyes of God, from our spiritual eyes, because we know that most, most problems are rooted in a spiritual sense. We know that sin never ended, sin sickness never entered the world until sin came into the picture. Until man sinned, there was no such thing as sickness. Until man sinned, there was no such thing as depression or anything, anything that wasn't of God. So we've got to keep ourselves in a place of remembrance that we've always got to look at the spiritual side of things and make sure that there's not a spiritual problem we're dealing with. Yeah, there are. I'm not going to get overly, overly spiritual and weird and say everything is a spiritual. No, there, there, are, there are some just straight physical things that, you know, if you don't take care of yourself and, and, you know, you don't wash your hands and that kind of thing. You can't get, a, you know, germs, that kind of stuff. But for the most part, we've got to make sure that we're not dealing with a spiritual situation when, th- when things come about. Now, our soul's got to be trained, like I said a minute ago, to observe both the spiritual and the physical. Emotionally, and this, is, this may step on some toes, but I'm not going to apologize for it because God told me to say it. Um, emotionally controlled people have not developed their spiritual vision. If everything that, if everything, if, if you are controlled by your emotions, if your emotions are what you make decisions based on and, and, and you're just a wreck because, because um, you haven't trained your spiritual vision yet. You don't have developed spiritual vision. That's what I'm saying. We need to have 20-20 spiritual vision just like we have 20-20 physical vision. And so if, if everything is an emotional case for you, if everything's always just up in the air, all, all emotional, always, always sad or always angry or always too excited, well, you haven't, trained, just, you haven't trained yourself to look through the spiritual eyes yet. We've got to get to that place to where we're looking through our spiritual eyes. Now, we also got to realize there's no such thing as, as an emotional person. Why? Because we're all emotional people. We all are people of emotion. God gave us emotions for a reason. Emotions enhance life, whether you believe it or not. Sometimes you're like, well, my emotions just make me a mess. Well, we'll, we'll work on that. But think of this. Can you imagine if we had a life without people without emotion? We're all just monotone and not excited, and life is never different. Um, I'm happy, I'm sad. No, I'm really not because I don't have emotions. And so what we've, we've got to realize is there's, there's more to life and because a life is enhanced and life is greater because of our emotions. The thing is, we, we have emotions, but our emotions shouldn't control us. We've got to get to this place where it's okay to respond to situations emotionally, but it's not okay to respond out of emotion. When we get in a place where our emotions are regulating how we dictate life and when we, we, go, we go through life based on how we feel about a situation or how the situation affects us, then we, we get in a bad place. How many of you have ever been in a situation where the way you responded made the situation worse? Now, I'm with you. Um, the, the thing about it is 
The situation may not have been great in the first place, and maybe it wasn't your fault. Maybe you had a right to be angry or sad or whatever the situation was. But when you respond out of that emotion, it doesn't help the situation get any better. I'm not saying you can't be emotional about it. I'm not saying you can't have it, you can't have it give you different kinds of feelings. But when you respond and allow those emotions to dictate how you respond, you're asking for trouble. You're asking for the situation to get worse. We've got to be people that keep our attitudes in check based upon the fact that we see through the spirit, our spiritual eyes and not our physical eyes. When we get to that place where we're like, we're like, we're going to talk about here, we have the, the God's perspective on things, we see things through the spiritual standpoint and not through the physical, and therefore we're not led by, by emotions and feelings, we're led by the Spirit of God. Now, as we're going into talking about perspective here, we're going to talk about three things. We've talked about vision, we're talking about perspective, and we're going to talk about discernment. Now, as we go into um, perspective, we've got to realize that our attitude affects our altitude. The, the way you respond to something, your attitude towards a situation affects how, 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 how high you can go in that situation. There's a lot of times that if you've got, if you've got a bad, angry attitude or a bitter attitude, that you don't, you don't excel in life very well because you allow those emotions to control who you are. Same thing here. Your, your altitude is determined how high you go in a situation, how high you go in life is determined by the attitude you have towards any situation. We've also got to realize that um, 10% of life is how we respond to the situation or 10% of life is a situation, 90% of it's how we respond. So if a, if a bad situation comes, we've got to realize that, okay, the, the bad situation, acknowledge that, accept that, that's fine. But that situation is determined, that the situation is better or worse determined how we respond to it. Now, let's talk about our perspective or our vantage point. Just as we've got to develop our spiritual eyesight, our perspective must be from the, from the right vantage point. Now think about this. Eagles, like I said, they can fly at a, they fly at a thousand feet, going around. They can see for three square miles. So they've got this very, very broad scope of, of, of things that are around them and what they're looking for. The, they can see the answer because of the position they're in. Now, what good would it do for that eagle to say, I'm going hunting, and sit down in the thicket and just wait? You know, and we all see these majestic pictures of eagles. You know, you see these pictures of eagles on the ground. They're up in a, up in a tree or somewhere. And just, just like a, a lot of hunters, you know, you, you get a tree stand. Why? Because you can get up there and you can see further you can see what's coming your way same same thing here we've got to get a we've got to get a godly visual perspective of our situation we've got to look at our, our situation from up high and not down low now we'll never see we'll never see the answer if we're looking for our problem we're looking up from our problem rather than looking at our problem from the position of righteousness now in ephesians chapter number two verse four through six it says but god being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with christ by grace you have been saved and it says, then he raises up and seated us with him in heavenly places. So what we've, got, what we've got to realize is that we are already sitting in a place of righteousness in God. The problem is we're not looking at life through, that, through those eyes. We're looking at life through our physical eyes that are down here on the ground. Now, let's talk about Job for a second. We all know in the first chapter of Job that, that the enemy came to God and he said, I want to I I test this guy. And, and God said, okay, but you just can't kill him. Well, so the first thing that happens is the, the devil comes and he, he smites Job and he, he gets all these boils and nasty things on his skin. And the Bible says he sat in an ash heap and scraped, scraped those things daily. With, with, he sat there and scraped, scraped the nastiness off of pottery. And so, you know, that, with, with a broken piece of clay or something like that. And so that's not a pretty picture. Now, did Job sin? No, Job never spoke bad against God, even though his, his wife was telling him, why don't you just curse God and die? Get over this. Don't worry about your integrity anymore. Just, just go ahead and die. Get, get through this misery. But no, Job, so Job never cursed God, but still, Job, Job still just chose to sit there in the ash heap. Now, some of us need to learn to get up off our ashes. Now, I didn't say that too fast. But um, a lot of us sit here in our ash, or on our ash, however you want to say it, and allow, allow life just to go by, 
and be miserable. And we're sitting here going, what in the world? God, why? God, why? And we're sitting here just nursing our wounds, licking our wounds, you know, rather than getting up and saying, God, what is your perspective on this? Why am I in this situation? And we'll talk about discernment here in a minute. We've got to determine whether our situation comes from, from the enemy or whether it's something that we've, through sowing and reaping. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But what we've got to <clears throat> realize is that our perspective is, is, a, is a big part of how we, get, how we receive our answer. So when we get to that place of, of looking through the perspective, um, we went on vacation a couple weeks ago, and we went up to see Mount Rushmore and all this kind of stuff, and, and, and I loved it. It was beautiful up there. It was 75 degrees, and coming out here, it's 105 degrees, but, you know, that's just, that's just life. But the thing about it is we, we were up there, and we stopped at this place called Reptile Gardens, and this was the coolest thing I've ever seen as far as a reptile, all these cool snakes. So they had everything from black mamas to the big um, Burmese pythons and anacondas, and they had all the cool poisonous snakes. And they had this one that, the, the one that fascinated me the most was this king cobra. This thing was bigger around than my arm, and it was about 18 feet long, and just mean looking. And I'm sitting here going, you know, I'm sitting here this far away from this guy because he's on the other side of the glass. But I'm not scared. Why? Because my perspective is fine because I know the situation. I know he's in captivity. I know he can't get me. As bad as he looks and as mean as he is, I, he's not going to bother me. Now you take that glass away, and my perspective changes a little bit. And my pants aren't, aren't, clients aren't clean anymore. You know, I mean, it's one of those things. You've got to get to a place where you see things as, you know, these problems you're going through, the Bible says they're just momentary troubles because we live on this earth. We've got to get a perspective like God has and realize that when we look at it from God's situation, from up high, we begin to see things that, that in, in the proper context, and it's not such a big deal after all. I want to read you, I want to read you a little letter real quick that a, a college student sent to her parents. And it starts off saying, Dear Mom and Dad, I just thought I'd drop you a note to clue you in on my plans. I fall in love with a guy named Jim. He quit high school after grade 11 and got married. About a year ago, he got a divorce. We've been going steady for two months, and I plan to get married to him in the fall. Until then, I've decided to move into his apartment. I think I might be pregnant. At any rate, I dropped out of school last week, and although I'd like to finish college sometime, I'll do that in the future. So on the next page, she continued, Mom and Dad, I just want you to know that everything I've written so far in this letter is false. None of it's true. But mom and dad, it is true that I got a C in French and I flunked math. It is also true that I needed some more money for my tuition payments. Sincerely, your daughter. Well, and so you can see that you, you more readily accept these little things, you know, the, the, the C and the flunky and the math, <clears throat> when you look at it and go, wow, you know, um, she's not pregnant. She's not living, she's not shacked up with some dude that we don't know that, that has a shady past. And so it's just saying, perspective is everything. Perspective, the way you look at things and the viewpoint from which you see things is going to help you get through your situation a whole lot, a whole lot more easily. Well, we, well, we've got like, and like I said, we've got to realize that remember our attitude determines our altitude. So when you, you can't have a good attitude on something when you're looking at it from the ash pit. You've got to look at things from, from the place where you're seated in Christ, which is at the right hand of God. And you've got to realize that he put us in a position of authority there, put us in a position where we can do something about it. He didn't just sit us up there to, to make us look pretty, you know, even though we're all, we're all very good looking people. We, we gotta, we've got to realize that he put us there because that's the, the, a seated position, a position at the right hand of, of whatever king or ruler is a position of authority. That means you've got the authority to say, do this, don't do that, fix this, fix it, don't. You know, so you've got the authority to tell things what, what, what happened. So we've got to get to that place <clears throat> um, uh, where, we're, where we're in that position of authority. Now, our perspective determines how boldly we approach, it, approach our, our circumstances. So if we're going to approach our circumstance in a way that we're going to see it, see it overcome and see it taken care of, we've got to realize that who we are in Christ when we go to that place. We can't just go to that place and sit here and expect, walk in and go, well, I don't know what I'm going to do here. This looks like a mess. I don't know. Well, how, how's it, how are we going to fix this? No, you walk in there going, I'm a child of God. Now, what I say goes. 
in a situation. So if it doesn't line up with God, I'm just going to tell it to line up with God. Now, when you're telling things to line up with God, you've got to make sure that you're lined up with God. You know, just throw that in there. But um, So we've got, to, we've got to get to a place in a situation where, where we recognize the, the perspective we should have, and that's, that's, sitting from, that's sitting in a high place. That's in a place to where, where we realize that, that the God of all mankind is right here and telling us that we can, we can say whatever we want to say, and we'll have it. You know, it's, that's faith 101. We can, we can do that some other time. But um, Now we've talked about vision and perspective. We've got to talk about discernment now. Discernment is one of those things that uh, we, look, we look at it in a, in a kind of a, kind of a, a funny way. It's one of them big Christianese words. No, discernment is simply insight. That's just simply your insight into a situation. It's the cuteness of judgment is, the, is the, the technical term for it. Now, once we've got all these, well, once we've got our perspective figured out, we've got our, our, eye, our eyesight worked on, I want to know we have to between, discern between several answers and, you know, that can come into view. We've got to realize that everything that comes across our path comes across our path isn't necessarily the answer we're looking for. And so many times as, as Christians, we haven't tuned ourselves into the voice of God, so every answer we hear may not be the right answer. You know, there, there are things that we can discern between and realize that, okay, this looks good, but is it God? See, because good things aren't always God things. You know, sometimes the enemy will throw an answer at you just, just that looks good. It's just enough off to keep pulling you off track a little further. Because, you know, if, he, if I can get him to latch onto this, I know there's a better thing coming for him, but if I can get him to grab onto this right here, that better thing won't ever take place in your life. So let's, let's read in Romans chapter number 12 and verse number 2. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, testing that, by, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God. So what, what's this mean? When, when something comes across your path, when, when, the answer you, when the answer you're praying for, when you think that's the answer comes across your path, what's say? Through testing. It means look into it a little bit. Don't just jump on the first thing that, that's thrown out there. Don't just um, be the first fish to bite the hook. You know, let, let's look at it and see what God's got to say about this. Say, God, is this the answer you're providing me? If it is, I want to go with it. If it's not, please show me because even though it might be hard to let this go, as good as this might look, I'm going to make sure that I'm, taking, I'm getting hold of the right thing. And so now, Here's where it goes on to. What is good and acceptable and perfect. So when you're testing things, we know that right there, the more I read this verse, the more, the more God shows me that, you know, there, there's, there's God's good will. There's an acceptable will. But there's a perfect will of God. And so many times, a lot of us settle for the good, and we never get to the perfect. Not that you're not saved, not that you're in a bad place, but over, over here is something good, and that's fine, and that's great. But how many of us get stuck in the good and the acceptable, we never get on to the perfect. We never get on to truly what we know God's got set aside for us to do. Or we never really get along with God enough to get past just, okay, barely eking by, and I know I'm saved, and I know, I know I'm going to go to heaven, I know life's okay right now, but um, we never get to, to, to the perfect will of God for our lives because we know that according to this, there's a good and acceptable and perfect. Now, we've got to look at it like this. The Bible says, in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, it says that as heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and, and, um, and, and, and that whole thing. We've got to realize that people take that verse out of context and say, oh, well, see, God said it right there. God said that his ways are higher than ours, so I guess we can't ever know the thoughts of God, and we can't ever know what God wants us to do. And I'm guess, I guess it's one of those things, God's just a mystery to mankind, and so we will never understand what God's got set aside for us. No, what, what that's saying is God's ways are higher than ours, but then when Jesus comes in the New Testament and says, but you have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. So that means God doesn't want us to, to not know what he's thinking. He's saying, my ways are higher than yours. So make a decision to look for my ways. Make a decision to begin praying and testing things to make sure that it's my will. Make sure that as good as it sounds, make sure that's what I've got set aside for you. Because we, we know that the devil's got one tool that he's used since the beginning of time, and that's deception. 
And so if, we're not, if, our, if our discernment is not in place, if we're not seeking God and we're not, we're not in his word enough, we're not hearing his spirit enough, and we haven't transformed and renewed our minds to where we know what the will of God is, we, we fall for anything. We, we just jump on whatever comes by and we accept whatever little answer we think is there and we think, oh, well, thank God. It, it's, it's not the perfect thing, but it, it's going to get me by. Well, eventually we got to get tired of just barely getting by and, and get ready to step up into that place where God can really use us. A lot of us, you know, think about it. You look at it. <clears throat> I look at it like this. C's will get you out of school. C's will help you get, get, get a diploma and walk away. But B's are better. But A's open up a whole other line, line of opportunities for you. You know, let, let's, let's think about this. You know, how many, how many, how many people go to, go to school on academic scholarship because they made C's? You know, you, you know what a zero is, even though you make a C, right? Um, no, nobody's ever gotten an academic scholarship because they made C's. Nobody's ever got accepted in certain schools because they made C's. Now, you think about this. When you're in school, you know, a C is good. And some of us are just like, algebra, thank you, Jesus. I got a C and I'm out of there. But there's other things, you know, where, you know, I was a straight-A student and everything until I got to where you started mixing letters and numbers. That was, that was not good. But the thing we've we got to realize is that, you know, you press on and, and you begin making A's, and then all of a sudden, oh, this college w- w- would accept you, and, and this place would accept you, and, and um, oh, look over here, I can, I can get into this school now because, because I've, got, I've got this grade point average. And so you get past the acceptable into the good and, the, and, and into the perfect. Now, the, perf- the perfect is what? Going to a great school, getting a great career, and all the, all the opportunities open up. Why? Because you chose to go p- towards perfection and not just acceptable. And so we should do the same thing in our Christian walk. We've got to discern what's coming our way. We've got to discern what, what path we've got to take. And although there's several acceptable paths, I mean, after, after, you're born, after you're born again and you love Jesus and you've made him Lord and Savior of your life, I mean, God's not going to disown you for making a bad choice. You'll still get to heaven. But how successful can your life be? And how much greater and more powerful can your life be if you want to step into God's perfect will? You're not just satisfied with barely getting by. You're not just satisfied with not having, <clears throat> with, with doing without some things and, no, and, and maybe ministering a little bit and maybe stepping up a little bit and helping out at church some. No, you, you say, God, I know what you called me to do. God, I know who you built me to be. God, I know which, where you've got me to go. I, I've seen your perfect will. And, I, and, and you've given me peace about the situation so I can step into the situation and I can walk further on with you and I can see greater things happen in my life because I've stepped into your perfect will because I know what you've got set aside for me. And it's, no, it's, nothing, it's nothing mediocre. It's nothing bad. You've got amazing opportunity and ministry set aside for me to walk in if I'll just take a little time and pray and test and see what his perfect will for my life is. It's, it, it, really, it really is as simple as all that, but it all, it all starts with going back to do we, have, we, have we taken on a spiritual eyesight yet? Have we, have we decided to look at things through God's eyes and not, th- and not through ours. We decide to look at things in a way that will be a blessing and ministry not only to us physically. Yeah, we, want, we all want to be comfortable physically. We all want to be in a place to where we're not hurting or sick. But we've got to realize that physical circumstances, when, we look, when looked at through physical eyes, are going to try and seek a physical answer for what pro- could possibly be a spiritual problem. And so you're never going to fix a spiritual problem with a physical solution. Now, spirit- spiritual answers will give you remedies to physical problems. Why? Because it, 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 all, it's, it all starts spiritually. It's all, it's all a spiritual issue. And so let's, let's, get to that, let's get to that place. Now, look at it, look at it like this. There's, there's an eagle. He's up there soaring at about 1,500 feet. He's looking around. He says, I see something moving. And so does he dive down on that and grab it? Could it be, could it be what he wants? Is it, a, is it a rabbit? Is it a snake? Is it a fish? I mean, what, what, what could it be? Now, because not, not, not every answer is going to be beneficial. Not every answer is going to be what you want it to be. And I guarantee you, uh, Mr. Eagle, you bring a, a snake back to the, to the nest, Mama Eagle's not too happy. 
And so we're talking about being Father's Day and being dads. We, need, we as fathers especially need to be the spiritual eyes of our home. We need to be the, the priest for home. We need to be the one that, that sees what God's got for our family, that sees what God's got set aside for us as individuals, and walk into a place as leaders of our home, seeing not only, not only um, our surroundings through, through spiritual eyes, but seeing our family through spiritual eyes. You know, I, I pray that, um, I pray every day for my children, I pray every day for my wife, and I pray that God will give me eyes to see them the way he does. Because if I can see what God's, God's got ultimately for them, then I can lead them to where they got to go in, in, in a better way. I can't lead somebody to who they want to, ultimately who they're, gonna supposed to, if they're, who they're supposed to be if I don't know what they're supposed to be. If I don't know what, what Zach's supposed to grow up into, and I haven't prayed about that, and I haven't uh, instilled in him to be looking for himself, then I don't know how to lead him how to get there. If I don't pray for my wife or, or my daughter in that, in that way, I can't lead them properly. I've got I to gotta pray that God gives me spiritual eyes to see them the way he does. But see, where it starts is God giving me spiritual eyes to see me to what he's made me to be. Because if, I don't, if I'm not pursuing who God's made me to be, and I'm not everything he's called me to be, then I can't lead them the way they need to be led. And so, so too many times we get this sense of, of false humility, and we don't, well, well, I'll just put myself aside for now to make sure that they're okay. No, be everything that God's called you to be because you'll be the best leader they can have then. You know, you're, you're giving them a mediocre, a mediocre gift. You're giving them a, a subpar a subpar gift or a subpar leader if, you're not, if that leader's not trying to be everything they're supposed to be. You know, we, we're, Joel encourages us all the time here to be very, very, um, be very, very pursuing of what God's called us to be in, in different ways. I've done several different things since I've been here at the church. Why? Because I'm always being encouraged to seek what God's got for me ultimately. And in doing that, he's, he brought me through different stages, different ministries, in ways to, to bring me to where I'm at today. And if I'm, at the, if I'm at the ultimate place where I'm at today, where I'm supposed to be, praise the Lord. If I'm not, I'm looking to move up to what he's got, got for me next. That's just, that's just the way we should be as Christians. We need to have our spiritual discernment always on so we can see ourselves through, through God's eyes. And when we see ourselves what, through what God's got us to be, and we get a picture of who God who, what wants us to be, we won't settle for certain things. Because, well, why would I want to work on a welding degree if I'm supposed to be over here being a bookkeeper? You know, why would I want to work on doing these things? And I'm not saying you can't have hobbies and do different things, but why, why would you pursue things that don't lead to the, ulti the ultimate calling God's got set aside for your life? Well, when we work on our discernment, we work on um, understanding these things in the Spirit, God will show us what, what we need to be and what we, need to, what we need to walk in. You know, aspirin's fine, but, you know, healing is better. You know, and, and symptoms, are, symptoms are, are come and they go, and you can take things to make you more comfortable, but if you're ultimately just treating symptoms, you're never going to get the ultimate healing that you're desiring to have. It's same, same thing, same thing in, your, in your spiritual walk. There's some things that are holding you back. Maybe there's, some, maybe there's some habits. Maybe there's some issues. Maybe there's some addictions. Maybe some things that are keeping you from being all God's called you to be. And you can, you can do your best to fight those. But if you just get a spiritual renewal over here and see who God's made you, then you'll realize that's got no part of who I'm over here. Why am I messing with this stuff? This, this, this is nothing of who I am. The thing is, we don't, see, we don't see ourselves who God's really made us to be. So we allow certain things to come into our lives that don't belong there. And it all comes with not valuing ourselves and, and making ourselves who God's, who God's called us to be ultimately. You know, we, we choose to be, we choose to be like, like Job in a lot of ways where we just are kind of content with sitting in our mess and we'll figure, well, eventually it's going to pass. It's going to, it's going to, it's, you know, the Bible says it came to pass. It didn't come to stay. Well, yes, it will, it will pass, but you know, you can make it pass a whole lot more quickly when you begin to see God's answer for the situation and begin to walk out of it. And so, you know, a lot of us, you know, we end up getting camped out. You know, the Bible says, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know, and we really, what, you know, it says walk, it didn't say pitch a tent. You know, we say, well, I'm in a bad place. I guess I'll just sit here until God does something. No, God says keep walking. God says keep going. And God says, if you'll keep walking, you'll keep your eyes on me and keep looking at things the way I see them, you'll see that the valley's not that long. 
You see the valley's not that deep, and you're about to come out on the, on the other side. Now, the eagle can sit there on the ground all he wants, and his answer might be just on the side of that rock he's sitting next to. But if, unless he gets to a high place where he can see what God's got for him, he's never going to see the answer. He's never going to see that his answer is right around the corner, and he will get there a whole lot more quickly rather than just waiting for it to maybe sneak around on him. You know, and, and I'm not saying God is merciful and God will, God will show you things and God will help you in ways. But at the same time, God expects us to get to that place where we realize that we're seated in a high place with him. That we're seated in a place where we can receive vision and revelation and, and um, anointing to, to, to achieve those things he's called us to achieve. And so, I, you know, and being, being Father's Day, and all, I really do want encourage, to encourage the dads in this because it's, it's something that, you know, Dame and I were talking the other day and it seems like every time when you when you, you come to a service that's about Mother's Day, it's like, ooh, moms, you're so great. We love you, moms. Moms, you work so hard. Moms, you take care of the kids. Moms, this. And it's all praise the mom, praise the mom. But you come to Father's Day services, it's like, dad, you should do this, and dad, you should do that, and dad, you should be here, and dad, you should be there, and dad, if you're not doing this, and dad, if you're not. No, I want to encourage you, dad, say that all it takes, all you've got to do is pray that God will give you his eyes for your family. Pray that God will give you his eyes for, for your life. Pray that God will, God will, God will show you just, just who he wants your kids to be. And it doesn't, doesn't mean you've got to um, lock yourself in a closet for four hours and, and um, put on sackcloth and ashes and throw things up in the air and say, God, show me, God, show me. No, it means as you pray for your family, when, they, when your family comes to your mind throughout the day, when, when, um, when your spouse comes to your mind, say, God, I thank you for her. I thank you that you've got great plans for her life, and I thank you that any way I can be a help in that, anything you can show me to help her, show me that. It's really that simple. It's really, it's really that easy to be a man that leads their family properly. If you've got a heart to lead your family properly, if you've got a heart to, to lead yourself the way, to, to conduct yourself in a way that glorifies God and lead your family properly, God will bless you in that. God will, God will show you that. It's not a matter of, of you having to jump the hoops and, and learn all these different skills and do all these different things and, and read all these books. Now, if God leads you to read a book or God leads you to, to spend more time in the Word so you can be a better guide for your family, then by all means do so. But if you'll just start by praying and saying, God, I want the very best for the, for the family you've given me. You've stewarded me. You've made me a steward over an amazing family. All I want to do is lead them in a way that honors you. God will show you things. God will honor that. God will bless that. And then God will, God will say, you know what? I'll put you alongside somebody over here that maybe is walked through what you've walked through already, and they can help you walk through that. Or, or maybe I'll just, bring you, I'll just show, you this, show you this book here that, that um, you can read, and it'll, it'll give you some tips on just what, you're, just what you're working on. Or maybe he'll just, as you're praying, he'll just bring a scripture to your mind and say, pray that over your son. Pray that over your daughter. Pray that over your, over your wife. You know, it's, it's just really, it's really as simple as that. We make it sound so hard to, to well, I've just got so much to achieve to be the right kind of dad. No, you're the right kind of dad because God gave you a family. All he wants you to do is just lead them the way he would lead them, which is by saying, God, help me lead the family. You know, and for any dads out there, the, the first time you ever hold a baby in your hands that's yours, ooh, you're like, um, help, you know. <laughs> Wife's over there getting worked on, still getting taken care of, and you're like, help, this is mine. <laughs> got this forever. You know, what, what am I going to do? And, and that's when, you know, and sometimes we, 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 we put ourselves out of, that, out of that picture where we're like, um, you know what? And at that moment, you're crying out to God, going, God, help me raise this kid. You know, but now that they're 13, 14, whatever, you should be still going, God, help me raise this kid. You know, whatever, whatever, the, situ whatever the situation is, you know, we, 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 we forget sometimes, and we get, life goes on, and we forget, to, we forget to really know that that same God that gave you that little infant baby is the same God that's going to help you raise that teenager. The same God's gonna help you be that man of God in front of your in front of your daughter, so she knows the right kind of man to, to turn to, you know, when, when it comes to that time. And so it really it really is simply a matter of us just saying, God, I just need your eyes. I just I just need to see things the way you do. I just need to really give, get some understanding from you as as to how to make this decision because because I know that day's coming when that little girl's gonna run the door crying her eyes out because some boy talked bad to her. 
You know, I know that day's coming when my son's going to come in all mad because some girl doesn't like him the way he likes her. I know those days are coming. So, God, when those come, help me know what to say. And, by, and, and it's not by saying, oh, they're not worth it. No, I'll say, guess what? You know, that means God's got somebody better, better in store for you. Or if that's supposed to be the person you're supposed to be with, guess what? God will bring that back around. But right now, you're 10 years old. Don't worry about it. You know, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the godly answer right there. But, um, but, or if it's dad, you, can get, you, you got all your life to get married. You get married when you're 40. You'll be fine. And right now, Katie's still in that mindset. She's like, oh, boys. She was at, um, at school the other day, or for Valentine's Day, and they gave out those little crush things where you send out. She, we, Amy pulled up to get her. She has like five of those crushes and a, and a rose in her hand. And she's like this. She's like, this is disgusting. You know, but, and I pray she stays that way for a long, long, long time. But, um, but the thing about it is, as parents, we can have every answer our kids need, even if that means, you know what, let's just pray about it. And you kneel down with your child beside the bed or wherever you're at, sit down at the kitchen table with them and say, let's just, let's just ask God. And we don't got to feel like you've got to be the all-knowing, all-powerful father figure. Well, all we got to do is just say, God, give me eyes to see my family the way you do and help me lead them. It's, it's really just that simple.